I've always been fascinated with the stories behind our hymns of faith, our praise songs. It's amazing those, those songs that are so familiar to us when you understand the background, we understand where those songs were birthed, how they came to be. It gives them fresh new meaning and helps us understand them uh, even more. Uh, that's also true for our Christmas carols. You know, we have Christmas carols that most of us have been singing for years and years and years. And, uh, we know the tune, we know the song, and yet when you know the story behind the song, it really gives that a whole new understanding of the meaning of that song. And that's uh, certainly true for, for the carol you just heard quoted here, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The words that you just heard read were written by a pastor named Philip Brooks. He was pastor of a church in Philadelphia back in 1865. He went to visit the little town of Bethlehem. He was able to be there and, and see some of the sights. And while he was there, he went to the outskirts of town and saw some shepherds tending their flock in the same way that shepherds have tended their flocks for thousands of years in that region of the world. And as he came back home and he began to reflect on that experience, he wrote down the words to the carol that we now sing. And he asked the organist of his church, to uh, compose a tune that would go with uh, the words of the carol. He hoped that the children's choir would be able to sing that at their annual Christmas service. And so he asked the organist if he could compose a tune. Now, the organist actually was involved in, in a wonderful way in the ministry of that church. He had been the leader of the Sunday school of that church. And when he started, there were 36 people in that Sunday school. It had grown to literally thousands of people that attended each Sunday at that particular uh, church. And so they wanted to have a really wonderful service. They wanted to have a, a good uh, uh, song for the children to sing. And the organist really struggled with, with the tune. He just couldn't quite make it work, couldn't make it fit. And he finally developed the tune the night before the service and had to rush in the next day and introduce it to the children and teach it to them so that they could sing it in the, in the service. The people in the service were so blessed, they asked if the tune and the song could just be printed for them. And so they made some copies of that in a little pamphlet that was first passed out in the church. And as people began to share that with friends, they then made some more pamphlets and, and, and passed it out throughout uh, Philadelphia. It was sung in several churches of that area and then just began to spread from there around the nation and then literally around the world to become that wonderful carol that we sing today, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Now, if you ever go to England... That same song is sung to a different tune. It's sung to the tune of the hymn that we know of as I sing the mighty power of God. So if you're in England at Christmas time, don't get confused. It's still the same song. <laughs> so why was Bethlehem the place where Jesus was born? Well, why, why not Jerusalem? Why not some other town or city in Israel or Judah? Why Bethlehem? Why did prophets Hundreds of years before Jesus was born point to this little kind of out of the way town as being the place where the Messiah would be born. Well, to find out, we're going to take a look at one of those prophecies in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And we're going to see that that prophecy not only had meaning for the New Testament world, but it has deep meaning for us today. Micah 5 verse 2 says, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, 
from ancient times. Now, to understand this prophecy, we need to understand a little bit about Micah. Micah was a prophet during a time period in the Old Testament where there was a lot of prophetic activity happening. Uh, He's a prophet during the same time as the prophet Isaiah, Hosea, and Amos. All of them were prophets during that time because the nations of Israel and Judah had fallen into great sin during this particular period of history. Micah lived in the rural part of Judah, the southern part of the nation of of Israel, but his prophecies are primarily directed at the city of Jerusalem. His name means one who is like God, and his message was directly from the Lord. As he looked around, like Amos and Isaiah, he saw some of the terrible injustice that was going on in the world of his day. Some of the ways that the wealthy landowners were taking advantage of people that were the least able to be able to be taken advantage of as the poor of that time. He also saw how the people of Judah had begun to follow after other gods. They continued to come to the temple. They brought their sacrifices. They would go through the festivals and the times of worship. But they were meaningless in their life because then they would turn right around and sacrifice to other false gods of the day. Micah, like the other prophets, knew that as long as they followed that path, they were headed for destruction. That the only hope they had was to turn back to God. To leave all of their sinfulness, all of the injustice, all of the false worship behind. And to turn back to worshiping and following and serving the one true God. It was the only way they would find forgiveness and grace. Micah saw that God was even in the midst of this very horrible situation that God was still at work. That God was still doing things even through the faithlessness of His people. God was remaining faithful. And Micah saw how God was literally preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah. And so it leads him in in the midst of this prophecy of tremendous, horrible Wrath of God coming down on the people who had left his way in such violent ways. In the midst of that prophecy, he gives this prophecy about Bethlehem. He calls it Bethlehem Ephrathah. Uh, That was a familiar name for the town in that day. There actually were two towns named Bethlehem in Judah. And that addition of Ephrathah uh, identified which Bethlehem he was describing. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. And then the addition of the name Ephrathah means fruitfulness. Bethlehem that Micah is describing here was located about five, five and a half miles south of Jerusalem. It was kind of a very small suburb, just a a little town that nobody who wasn't from there really would know much about. Except for the fact that David, the great king of Israel, many, many years before the day of Micah, That was the area where he was from. And so Bethlehem was identified by many people as the town of David. Micah looks to this little town and he makes this incredible announcement about the coming of a great ruler. Now again, uh, this, this announcement is in stark contrast to the rest of Micah's prophecy. Micah's a difficult book to read. 
Micah says, hey, if, if you don't get your life back right with God, it's not going to go well for you. And he is very specific in the ways things were going to turn south for the nation of Judah. But in, in the midst of that prophecy, there is this extraordinary description of how God would send a ruler not like none other. Now, part of the problem in Judah was the kings that they had 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 not been living for the Lord. They'd not been seeking the Lord. They'd not been doing what God wanted them to do. They were literally leading the nation away from, from the God of Israel. But Micah foretells this ruler that it wasn't going to be like that. This ruler whose kingdom would be like none other the world had ever seen. It was not a kingdom that would come and go like so many of the kings of Judah had been. They would be there for a few years and then they would die and another king would come. They would die and another king would come. No, this kingdom would last forever. The smallness of, of this little town of Bethlehem is contrasted with the magnitude of this king's power. This would be a king like none other. It's no wonder that the gospel writers make this very clear connection between Micah's prophecy and the birth of Jesus. When the wise men came seeking the one who had been born, they'd seen the star in the sky. They knew what that meant. They knew that that meant that there had been some special king who had been born. And they came from the east, coming into Jerusalem, looking for this uh, uh, great king because they thought Jerusalem would be the place that he would be. And they began to ask around, well, where will this king be born? Well, the chief priests and the teachers of the law knew exactly what Micah had said. And so that's what they tell the wise men. Matthew chapter 2 verse 5. They say, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will, will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. And the Gospel of Luke. The words of the angel to the shepherds. As, as the angel makes this announcement of the Savior's birth... He also refers back to this prophecy from Micah. Luke 2 verse 11 says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In the Gospel of John, even the enemies of Christ recognize this same truth. In John chapter 7 verse 42, they say, Does not the Scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Now, what does this mean for you and me? That's all interesting history. That's interesting biblical background. That, that's interesting information to have about the Christmas story. But, but how does that impact us today? Well, as it turns out, it impacts each and every one of us very directly in at least three ways that I want you to think about this morning. First of all, Jesus' life on earth begins with the fulfillment of prophecy. And don't let it slip by you all the events and circumstances that had to come together to make this happen. First of all, you have Mary, a virgin, who suddenly is with child. And she's engaged to Joseph. But neither Mary nor Joseph are from Bethlehem. They're both from Nazareth, located nearly 100 miles to the north. So... Mary is with child. She's been told she's going to be give birth to the, the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But she's 100 miles away from where she needs to be. 
How did she get to Bethlehem? What would make a, a woman nine months pregnant travel a hundred miles? Well, they wouldn't, especially back in that day. You have to understand, travel in the New Testament day was extremely difficult. And that journey between Nazareth and Bethlehem was especially rough. It was not a good road. It was not an easy journey. It would have been a journey that would have taken several days to have made back in the time when you had to go basically by foot. Why would a woman nine months pregnant do that? Now, you know, we always have the Christmas picture of her riding in on the donkey. Well, she may have, but she probably just walked. You go out and walk 85 miles, see how you feel. (laughs) Someone nine months pregnant, why would they do that? Well, they wouldn't do it unless they were forced to do it. And that's exactly what happened. The emperor of Rome at the time, Caesar Augustus, gave a decree requiring everyone to go to the town of their ancestry. And both Mary and Joseph were of the lineage of David. As I mentioned a moment ago, David's ancestral home was Bethlehem. And so here's Joseph loading up Mary, getting her ready for that trip because they have to go. They don't have any choice. They've got to get there. Because this census was more than just getting their name on a list. The census was for the purpose of taxation. And Rome was really good about getting taxes. Basically, if you didn't pay your taxes to Rome... You didn't live. And so when somebody said, you've got to go to your ancestral home in order to be taxed, you had no choice but to do exactly that. So all of these circumstances, Mary, a virgin, now being with child, Joseph and Mary located in Nazareth, 100 miles from where the Bible says they're going to be, now having to make this journey all the way to Bethlehem, a journey they never would have made on their own, but now through the circumstances, they now make that journey to where Jesus, the Savior, was to come. Now, we might look at that as just a circumstantial thing, just a bunch of accidental things. No, we know that God's hand was at work. In every one of those circumstances, so that the birth of the Savior would be exactly the way he had told his prophets to say that it would be. That the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. So the first way this impacts us today is that we need to understand how God is at work. Even when we may not think that he is. Even when we might not recognize His hand, even when we may not know exactly what He's doing, God is at work in ways that will only fully be revealed in that day that we stand in glory in heaven. Second, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem denotes yet another prophecy that was fulfilled in His being born in the city of David, that He was, in fact, in the lineage of David. Now, we talked about this uh, last Sunday. If, if you didn't have a chance to, to see that, go back and re-watch that, that tape because there's some very important things to understand of why it's significant that Jesus is of the lineage of David. It is a very significant and powerful reality that Jesus is connected to that ancestral line. It's the reason why the uh, 
genealogies are in the Bible, particularly the genealogies of the New Testament. Again, we talked about that last week. I won't repeat all of that. But, but you need to understand just how significant that really is, that it is yet another proof that Jesus, this Jesus born in Bethlehem, this Jesus who was the baby in the stable, this Jesus laid in the manger, this same Jesus is the Son of God. Finally, we find an extraordinary truth that is expressed in the Christmas carol we, we saw quoted in the video just a moment ago. O little town of Bethlehem has endured through the years as a favorite Christmas carol because of its message. The song is not just about the birth of a baby in a manger, although that's certainly expressed and certainly true. The carol has lasted because it not only describes the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, but also the reason why Jesus came. It's expressed in this beautiful verse from the carol. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in it. This morning we can know in no uncertain terms that this baby that was born in the stable in Bethlehem is Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the, the extraordinary impact of this very simple story, this story that we know so well, the Christmas account of Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem. And we've heard that story so many times, sometimes the meaning behind that occurrence escapes us. So this morning, remind us afresh and anew of what it means that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That that was in fulfillment of your prophecy. That those circumstances and events occurred so that today in 2020 in Springfield, Missouri, we could know that this Jesus is Christ the Lord. We pray that you would remind us of that great truth in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your heart this morning. Maybe you're here and all of a sudden the, that very familiar Christmas story has suddenly taken a, a brand new meaning in your heart. As you realize that Jesus is not just the Christ and Lord, Jesus needs to be your Christ and Lord. And we want to help you with that very significant decision this morning. It's the most important decision that you'll ever make. Now ordinarily we invite you to come down here to the front. We sit down with you and share with you from the scripture about how you can personally trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're not able to do that quite in the same way because of the virus, but we do have a way that we can, can share with you this very significant message. Here's how you can do it. If you're here personally in the pew racks before you, there's a little white card that says connection card. Just take that out. Give us some connection uh, contact information. And then there's a box that says, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior. Just check that box. Then drop it in one of the baskets as you leave. We'll be glad to contact you and share with you how you can know this Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. 
If you're watching us online, you can do the same thing. We have an online version of that same connection card. You can find it at nationalheights.org backslash hello. There's a link for that on the Facebook page as well as on our web page, our video page. Just follow that link and you'll have a place where you can give us some, a way to contact you. And again, just check that box. I want to follow Jesus as my Savior. We would be thrilled to share with you what the Christmas story really means. How you can know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Maybe there's some other way that God is speaking to your heart this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Uh, We'd love to share with you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Again, just check the boxes. I want to be a part of National Heights Baptist Church. We'll get that information to you. There's some other decisions that you can check as well that may apply to you. Or maybe you have a, a prayer request. Maybe there's something going on in your life and you just need some fellow Christians to be praying with you. There's a place on the back side of the card or at the very bottom of the electronic version where you can indicate to us your prayer request. We'd be honored to pray with you in these days ahead. In whatever way God is leading you this morning, we invite you to listen to His voice in your heart today as we sing together.